This is the ROINJ Podcast, the place to get information, insight, and analysis of business news from all across New Jersey. I'm your host, Tom Bergeron. We're here with, with Mike Marin, the head of Holy Name, which in New Jersey has been the epicenter of the COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, Mike knows this as well as anyone. He, in fact, contracted it. Uh, he is back at work. He's joining us now, and we just want to get an update on him personally and the hospital and everything he's seeing. So, so Mike, let us know how are you feeling, and, and how was the whole quarantine, and, and give us the whole rundown of, of where you're at. I'm feeling much, much better. Um, uh, thank you. Uh, the 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 quarantine and the the, the thought of getting testing positive um, was obviously concerning uh, for me most concerning in that I infected my family. So my wife and two of my sons uh, also tested positive, uh, which is uh, which to me is a, a burden I'll have to bear for the rest of my life. Um, not quite sure uh, where or how I contracted it here. Uh, when I was in patient care areas, we were extra cautious. Um, the conclusion is it, did, it didn't come from that staff. It came from others uh, who also you know, had tested positive before I did. So, but the uh, the disease, uh, you know, affects everybody differently. And we were all blessed in that. Other than having fatigue, uh, which it definitely drained us, uh, nothing else. No other real consequences. No, never had a high temp. Never really had respiratory distress. Um, so the symptoms that are that are out there is being typical and. With all the cases we've seen now, they are typical. We do see a lot of it. Um, the one thing about this disease is it is a wide spectrum of how it impacts people uh, and who's affected by it and who's not. And so the best advice to everybody is still be extremely cautious, social distance, good hand hygiene on a regular basis, Um it can't repeat it enough. We're we're not out of this yet. We still have a, a ways to go, and so having you know been there, uh, gone through it, uh, you don't want to get it. Right? Uh, I lost about twenty pounds. Not a diet plan I would recommend for anybody, um, but uh, you 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 want to avoid getting this at all costs. And it is so highly contagious that uh, if you care about your family and care about the loved ones, you care about the people that you're closest to, um, then listen to all the advice and, and make the sacrifice. I know it's hard, but stay home and, and keep your distance from everybody and just limit you know, contact with others outside as much as possible. So, uh, so let's talk about your wife and kids. So you guys all had this together. You're all in the same household. So on the one hand, it's not like you had to be in a room and everybody else was separate. I'm going to guess. I don't know. But on the other hand, how did you guys function for two weeks? How did you get food? How did you? That must have been a really uh, interesting situation, to say the least. Well, they, so the outpouring of support, especially once it became public that uh, that we had tested positive, was just incredible. Um, I have family nearby, so my brother uh, was uh, was dropping food off regularly. Neighbors and, and friends. Uh, dropping food off every every day too much food frankly um and so you were your appetite was kind of gone you were toast and uh, chicken soup at best was the staple for two weeks um and so those are the things that we uh you know but the, the support from family friends and and neighbors was just incredible um uh, and and very very humbling very very touching uh i can't i can't say enough and even 
after it went public, the, the, the well wishes from the governor, you know, Senator Menendez, Senator Booker, Josh Gottheimer, you know, you take your pick, uh, every Loretta Weinberg, every representative, the mayor in Teaneck, Hospital CEOs, Bob Garrett, Audrey Myers, I mean, Bob, uh, uh, Brian Granulati, Atlantic, just an outpouring of, of support and well wishes from people that was, was truly humbling and, and, you know, very, very, you know, grateful to everybody. And it's nice to know that you have so many people praying for you and hoping that you're going to pull through this. You know, you talk about all of uh, of the officials, and I, I remember shortly after this, you guys had a press conference, and it was you, and it was Josh Gottheimer, and it was Tedesco, and it was some some of the leaders of Teaneck. Was yeah. you must have been fearing that? Oh my gosh, I've I've spread this to all of some of the real key leaders in Bergen County. Yeah, well, one of the one of the key things was at that time I was not symptomatic, right? And so, if anybody I was closest with on a daily basis, uh, Dr. Jarrett, our chief medical officer. Right. And he never he never uh, came down with symptoms, never tested positive. Turned out that Josh, they quarantined Josh Gottheimer as a, as a result of that. But he came back negative. Uh, so it sort of confirms that, you know, when I was at that press conference, I was not uh, symptomatic. I was not contagious at that point. Well, that, that's fantastic news. Um, all right. So I've known you for a lot of years and I know you're as hard working a guy as there is. And I know that here that this hospital that you feel such um, such personal belief in and, and strength in, it must have been difficult for the two weeks that you were home wanting to help. And But at the same time, I'm guessing physically you were weakened. And, and, and talk about the idea of, of trying to give a helping hand from a distance to, to a, a crisis situation when you're going through your own crisis situation. Well, we, and, you know, I did everything I could thanks to, you know, modern technology. I was able to video conference regularly with, with staff here. Uh, I was able to work the phones trying to help find PPE and other, you know, support that we needed. Um, so it was, uh, it was uh, you know, we were, I was engaged uh, quite a bit. Um, so even though I was home and uh, I, I, could, I was able to accomplish a lot more than I would have thought. Uh, being remote uh, and to be able to just continue to support. That said, there's nothing like b- being physically here and to be able to sort of boost the morale of the staff. Um, I cannot say enough about them. Uh, my, my, my staff here have just gone above and beyond um, for everybody and uh, uh, in, in all components of, of running the the health system, not just, but especially the doctors and nurses on the front lines and the ER and the ICUs that we've created. My facility team has been just incredibly, incredibly innovative, uh, doing everything possible to keep our staff safe. It's just amazing the, the space that they've converted to negative pressure. Um, they're currently in, in shell space that was, that was intended for OR expansion building a, uh, a 40 bed ICU unit that is specifically designed to keep IV pumps and ventilators and all the devices in a safe zone outside and the patients on the other side of a, a, a clear wall um, so that staff don't have to be donning and doffing PPE on a regular basis to change um, IVs. Many of these critically ill patients are on seven and eight drips and so keeping the iv pumps 
in in a uh, non-contaminated room where the staff can check on them and change the the IV bags regularly without having to keep changing PPE equipment is just a huge you it's one it's efficient but it saves us on very precious resources so it's a uh, it's incredible what they're doing. So you and I talked a couple of weeks ago, and we did a story about Holy Name being at the epicenter, and this was before people really understood what was going on. And, and the reaction we got from readers and, and the knowledge that this story moved around the state and around the country was, was eye-opening for folks. Um, talk a little bit about that, but talk more about where the state of the hospital was then and where it is now. Uh, you have to sure. be much further uh, along in, in where you were. W- what are you seeing? Correct. So, so what we're seeing is is no slowdown, Tom, which is alarming in in many regards. We're still having uh, anywhere between 100 and 120 people present every day in the ER uh, in various conditions. We've now screened over 1,400 people. Um, we have over 110 in the hospital. 37 of them are on ventilators. Back then, when we talked, uh, we only had a handful on ventilators. Um, and so now there's uh, the, the number of people on ventilators has, has grown uh, exponentially. The number of people being hospitalized has grown exponentially. And we still have the largest number now, over uh, 1,100, that are at home, uh, being monitored closely at home. And, and we still believe that is the, the best course of treatment. If we can keep you hydrated, keep your oxygen levels elevated at home using telemedicine and telemonitoring, that is the most effective and the most efficient way to try to beat this disease. Obviously, there are certain people that just ultimately succumb and they have to come in, they have to be put on high flow oxygen and then ultimately um, put on ventilators. Uh, but uh, But that is is concerning let's talk a little bit about telemedicine because we're hearing from that on a lot of healthcare officials some people had it some people had it full speed some people had it half speed talk about where holy name was on telemedicine before and where you are now and how that's changed things so we had we had a a, a fairly what we thought was a fairly robust uh, telemedicine program um at the time with about 150 devices that we could deploy into into homes um working with our our vendor partners on this we've managed to uh increase that considerably so we're now up over 800 uh devices that uh, that we have in in the home and for people who are have minor symptoms they may not have a, a pulse oximeter at home or they may not have a, a bluetooth uh, thermometer but they still get uh, twice daily calls from our nurse practitioners to check in on them, have them use their own home devices to verify um, their either their pulse oximetry or their uh, or their temperatures. So let's talk about your staff and again the amazing work that they've been doing. Fatigue has to be starting to enter. You guys have numbers at your hospital alone that's higher than some individual states have in total. And you've been yeah. doing this for two, three, four, five weeks now as this has really grown. What is the state of, of your staff as far as just exhaustion and mental fatigue? And then of course with the PPEs that we hear about, how would you update that? So the, the staff actually are they're, they're as resilient as I've ever seen. Uh, I, I walked around this morning and talked to the ICU staff, talked to the ER staff. Um, they find strength 
in this, right? They're, they're remarkable people. Um, I, I, I often used in Haiti uh, quotes from, from Mother Teresa, and um, she, she's got a great one that applies here. And Mother Teresa once said, there is a light in this world, a healing spirit more powerful than any darkness we may ever encounter. We sometimes lose sight of that light when there is too much pain and suffering. And then the spirit will emerge through ordinary people who hear a call and respond in extraordinary ways. And that's what I see here. I see ordinary people, people who wish every day that they weren't in this, but it's not their choice. And they don't shrink from it. They rise up and they, they respond in just incredibly extraordinary ways. Um, and I couldn't be prouder. And it's not just, and I am very proud of the Holy Name staff. I got to tell you, Tom, I see it in all the other healthcare facilities too. As I talk to other CEOs and other staff at other hospitals, uh, the healthcare profession as a, as a field, the doctors and nurses, the environmental staff, the facility crews, the people who are responding to this thing on the front lines are just remarkable individuals um, across the board. And they, they really deserve, when we come out of this, one of my, one of my hopes, one of my, if, if I had a prayer through this whole thing, it was that we would learn from the, the fires of, of sacrifice that we're going through and that we would actually change our behaviors for the better, that we would learn that competition and, and trying to knock each other out isn't the way that we should be performing. If anything, this is proven we're all necessary, we're all needed, and we should be collaborating and working to make ourselves stronger, not competing to take somebody out so that we can gain market share. And the business metrics of medicine really need to change. And I think if, uh, if we can focus on that and, and, and work towards that, then that is a silver lining through this whole tragedy that we will have a stronger, better, more responsive health system as a country uh, than, we, than we had before. I think we're going to see a lot of changes in a lot of aspects of business, but your points on, on the health care, and, and I'll tell you, some of your, your brother and other CEOs that I've talked to have sort of said the same thing, that, that we should be coming together more than we ever have to, to handle this. Um, one last note, and you've given me so much time, and I appreciate this. Um, I, I know it, but, but a lot of people don't know it. Holy Name is a single entity hospital in Teaneck in Bergen County, yet People don't understand you have a sister hospital um, elsewhere. Talk about what you do in Haiti and how you've seen other crises. It really is a testament to how what you were just saying, healthcare workers are, are just different people, are special people trying to help. Uh, talk a little bit about your experiences in Haiti. Sure. Uh, so we, in, in 2010, after the tragic earthquake in Haiti, we ended up taking over a 200-bed hospital in northern Haiti. Uh, it's Hapital Sacré-Cœur. Sacred Heart Hospital in a small town called Milo, just outside of Capetian. Um, and we spent a lot of time uh, improving that hospital, helping them recover from the tragedy of the earthquake, helping them navigate through the cholera epidemic that was, uh, that was a plague on Haiti, and now uh, COVID-19. So it is, it is, uh, it is uh, been tested positive on, in, in Haiti, it's in the country. Um, very, very concerning to me because the density of the population, the way they live, social distancing is just not going to be realistic. The government has no control, so they're not going to be able to do 
what our governments, both at a, uh, a state and national level, have been a- able to do here in in, uh, in the United States. Um, and so I worry that, uh, and all these people are, are severely malnourished and immunocompromised to start with. So this disease, if it takes off in Haiti, will will be catastrophic. Um, we're doing everything we can to get them bleached, to get them geared up to to uh, to deal with the onslaught if it comes. Um, the, the CEO at the hospital there, Dr. Preville, will has been holding round the clock community uh, meetings to encourage people to try to stay home, try to social distance. But when you see the living conditions they, they live in there, that's just an, it's an impossible ask. Um, people are just piled on top of each other in, in the densest of, of living conditions. And so it's going to be very, very difficult. Um, but we are extremely proud of, of what, what happened in Haiti. It's kind of one of our mottos here. People always ask us, you know, why we chose to get involved in Haiti. And, and I say this with all humility, with, with all sincerity, we did not choose Haiti, right? Haiti chose us. We just chose to listen. And I think that's a big hallmark of what's going on here now. It's that it's not so much what we get to choose. It's that we, we step back and we choose to listen and then respond in extraordinary ways. And that is that's a, a key, key difference. That's wonderful stuff. Uh, last question. As we, as we talk here this morning, it's Monday morning, March 30th. You came back to work this past weekend. You're heading into April. Everyone's talking about how the peak is still not here yet. Uh, you're in the middle of it all, and not just in Bergen County, but in Teaneck. When you, when you try to look at it April, what is your greatest hope and, and what is your greatest fear? Well, my, my greatest hope is that um, um, in Teaneck, especially the here, the rabbis, the mayor, all responded well ahead of the curve. Uh, I applaud them for their, their, their courage. When it went back when people were challenging the degree of what social distancing should be, uh, these guys took our advice and acted on it and were very aggressive in shutting down uh, Teaneck and shutting down the, the shuls and the synagogues and the, the churches and to uh, really limit uh, uh, social gathering. So my hope is that that aggressiveness will pay dividends uh, in the coming weeks and that we will actually hopefully start to see a slowdown uh, in, in some of the cases. My fear is that it'll start to penetrate the senior community. Uh, we so far in New Jersey, uh, for reasons that I think are, have to, can only be contributed to very aggressive uh, changes in visiting policies and, again, dis- social distancing within the assisted living facilities and nursing homes around the state. We've not seen a large influx of, of seniors. Uh, the, we, we continue to see the majority of people that are really being impacted, ranging from their 20s into, their, into the 60s, um, not a lot of seniors. And so if the seniors do, and if this does penetrate, that's going to be a whole other wave of cases that are going to be extremely difficult because the, the, the prediction would be that most of them are going to end up on ventilators. Then we are absolutely going to have a shortage of, of equipment to be able to handle people, and that, that's one of our worst fears. 
Mike, I can't thank you enough. This is great insight. Uh, it's wonderful to hear that you're doing better. Uh, take care of yourself and continue to, to take care of all the people in Bergen County. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it very much.